Well, welcome to the old downtown Harbor Church, everybody. I'm Adam. I'm the lead communicator here. Boy, we had a couple of good weeks with announcements, but the old boy was back on the stick this morning, unfortunately. We were, so, we were having some success, but boy, it went downhill real fast there. I'm just kidding. We kind of like to rip on the announcements around here. Anyway, I'm so excited that you have joined us. We are week four into this idea, this series, topic, conversation, whatever you want to call it, called This Is True, That Is Real. And one of the things that we've been doing is we've been taking a look at the tension. You saw that word on the screen. We've been taking a look at the tension that exists between things that we know are true, and we've been putting those things kind of right over here, and then the tension that exists between things that we know are real. It's the idea that there's tension between these two things, that yes, there are some things that we know are true, that we could all agree that we say, yes, we know this is true, we believe this, and then there are some things that go, we go, well, wait a second, but there's some things that we know over here that are real, and what do we do with that? What do we do with that tension? Because a lot of local churches will run from that tension. A lot of local churches will go, I don't want anything to do with that tension, but not us, not here at DHC. We actually run toward that tension because we believe this is true. And you've heard me say this around here before, if you've been around here for any length of time, that 87% of people in South Florida do not engage with church. And if that's the case, and there's so many great churches in South Florida, we started to ask ourselves the question, why? Why do people in South Florida not engage with the local church? If this is supposed to be this movement rooted in love and hope and restoration and redemption, then why do people not engage with church, Right? Because, and one of the reasons that they told us they don't engage with church, and this was so important, was because we know that there are some things that are true. And they're like, you talk a lot about the things that we know are true. You, churches in South Florida will bring that to the surface, some things that we know that are just true, that we could all agree on are true. But there's also another side of that. And people told us, they're like, you know, we really feel like churches ignore the side of the things that are real, because there's also things that we know that are real. And so one of the things that we've been doing in the past four weeks, and Christina did an awesome job last week kind of setting this up, and I'm going to take the last two of this series, but it's just one of those things that we've been doing is kind of looking at those truths and then looking at the realities that go along with them and then going, okay, where's the tension here? Let's embrace this, and what do we do with that? So the first thing that we talked about was this, and it's just so key. It's this idea that, yes, we believe that you can know God. We believe that God the Father created a pathway so that you can know him, right? So that you can have a relationship through Jesus by knowing who this God the Father is, that you can actually know God. But there's also another side of that. There's also a reality to that. And the reality is real. The reality is true. Is that yes, you can know God, but yes, God is a mystery. And there's a tension there. There's a tension between those two ideas. This is true. That is real. Here's another one that we talked about. We talked about this, that in a moment that you can know God. You can know God in a moment. There can be a moment in your life where you just turn and pivot and say yes to Jesus and follow after him, and you can become a Christian in a moment. Yes, you can know God in a moment, but we also said that this is true, right? That this is real, and this is what I just think is so cool and so powerful about this is it will take you forever to figure out what that means, is that you can say yes to God in a moment, yeah, but when you actually look and look at your own spiritual life and your spiritual journey and you knowing God, that it will actually take you forever to go, what in the world does that mean? And that's why we're all here doing this together. That's why we're all here engaging with each other, having conversations and coffees and lunches and hallway talks just because we're trying to figure out together what this means. We said this. We believe that this is true. We believe that the Bible, right, the inspired text, the inspired word of God is true. The Bible is all true. We say it like that. 
We said that the Bible, whether there's stories that are fiction in the Bible or not, we just believe that the Bible's true. And we can talk about what that word true means, especially as Jesus taught in parables, which were fiction, but we just believe that the Bible's all true. But the reality of the situation is, is that a lot of people just look to the Bible for every single answer in life. And the truth is, the fact of the matter is, is that yes, the Bible is all true, but the Bible doesn't teach you everything you need to know about life. That's why God created scientists and doctors and psychologists and psychiatrists and Walt Disney that we could learn from, right? That's why God did that, so that we could learn about these different things that every answer, just, it's not necessarily in the Bible. Here's something else I believe. I believe that when you trust God, when you say, God, I'm giving my entire life over to you, every decision, my family, my job, my career, when I learn in some invisible way to trust you over and over, that trust leads to stronger faith. I believe that trusting God leads to stronger faith. And I don't know what that looks like for you, but you do. But I also believe that this is true, right? But the reality of the situation is, is that we all have doubts at some level. And I believe that instead of letting doubts derail us, we need to understand that doubt leads to stronger faith. That when we have doubts, when things go bad for us, when we're in a low period of time or things aren't going the way that we want it to or we don't understand this about the scripture, that doubt can actually lead to stronger faith. And then last week, Christina talked about this, and I think this is so key that yes, we've been saying yes a lot in this series, yes, your beliefs matter. Yes, your beliefs matter. It's this idea that the things that you believe, faith in Jesus and following his teachings matter, but then... In one moment, Jesus told a story, a story about a man with two sons, one son who asked for his inheritance early, basically saying, Dad, I don't even care if you die. He took his inheritance and went and lost all of it and hit rock bottom and ended up sleeping and eating with pigs and slop and then had the idea, I'll go back to my dad's house to see if I can be a servant. They eat better and are doing better than I do. And when the father saw his son in the distance, because of Jewish law, the father could have done anything he wanted to his son, including stone his son. But the father actually embraced his son, put a ring on his finger and kissed him and threw, it a, threw him a party. Meaning that yes, your beliefs matter. We're not saying that your beliefs don't matter, but Jesus proved in one fell swoop that people matter more. He goes, no, 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 he goes, you, you, you can do whatever you want, right? But Jesus said, he could have easily just gone with the beliefs, but he chose a person. And that's what you should all do, is you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. Yes, your beliefs matter. People matter more. Now, today, dare I say, because I've said it a lot, because I like to get excited about these, but dare I say is my favorite message. And dare I say, is the most controversial yet exciting message that I'm going to give. And I, so I, I'm glad you're here because this is going to be an exciting time. Because we're going to say yes to a couple of things today, and I think we're just going to get down and dirty with each other. And I think some of you, wherever you're at, are going to relate to this. Wherever you're at related to your church experience or your church history, maybe you're brand new to the local church and you're engaging for the first time. Maybe you've fallen away and you're coming back. Maybe you've been a part of a local church your entire life. Maybe even today you're on the fence about the local church and you're going, I don't even know why I'm here. But today we're gonna to say yes to a couple of things. See, here's, here's the first one that I just think we need to say yes to today. Yes, this is true, right? You should enjoy going to church. Let me talk about this for a second. Yes, you should enjoy going to church. 
In fact, if you don't enjoy going to church and you don't enjoy coming in here and engaging with each other and listening to this message and hearing the announcements, right, which I know that's bad, but still, right, like if you, if, if you don't enjoy that whole deal, like something might be off, right, that you should enjoy this process, that your time inside these walls and engaging with these people should be an enjoyment to you, right? In fact, some Christians over the course of time have maybe even enjoyed it a little too much. That's why you've seen multiple weekend services develop. Sunday night services, Wednesday night services, prayer meetings, men's studies, women's studies, small groups, you name it, Christmas shows. They're doing it right all over the place because we can't get enough of coming in and enjoying the local church. And I got to tell you, as I grew up, I was taught something about enjoying church. They're like, right, you should not enjoy being here because God is serious and rules with an iron fist. And I'm like, I don't know about that. Here's, I just believe this. I believe that you should enjoy going to church. Now, on a very serious note, Here's one of the things that I believe about the local church, and I think it's so key for us to understand this, and this is very serious from the bottom of my heart. I believe that the local church is the hope of the world. I believe that all of us coming in here together and engaging with each other and then understanding the teachings of the scripture and then going to put them into practice, right, in our communities, in our modern lives, you should enjoy this because I believe the local church is the hope of the world. And hear my voice on this. I think you should come as often as you can. I know it's South Florida and our lives are busy. My life is busy, right? Come as much as you can. Enjoy this process. Enjoy engaging with each other. It's okay to do that. That's a good thing to do, right? In fact, as I thought about this this week, I was like, okay, if I'm going to stand up here with this book, okay, and say you should enjoy going to church, I started to ask myself a question. What are some things specifically related to the church experience, let me just call it the church experience, that you should enjoy? So I came up with a little list, okay? Things you should enjoy about church. And I think this is so key for us to understand as we evaluate this, what are some things that you should enjoy as you come in here? Number one. The coffee. I think that you should enjoy the coffee, right? Now, if you know anything about the downtown Harbor Church, the guy who got the opportunity to do the announcements today, John, the executive director, he makes the coffee. And the coffee here stinks, okay? And I'm sorry about that from my perspective, but it's just not good. In fact, if you've had like motor oil in your mouth at, from time to time, you could probably make a staunch comparison between WD-40 motor oil, right, at some level, and the coffee at this church. Now, let me tell you another story. Furthermore, I don't know if you know this about me, right, but the last eight months or so, I have been caffeine-free. There was a moment back in February where I looked at Caitlin and I said, I'm drinking too much coffee, my heart's racing, I got to deal with some stuff, and once I get some stuff out of me, then I'm going to start going back to coffee. Well, sure enough, lo and behold, and this is an exciting thing, about two weeks ago, I had my first cup of coffee after about eight months, so I was excited about that. Yeah, you can be excited about that too, right? Fantastic. Now, Allow me to confirm, because I'm drinking coffee again, because I had one downstairs this morning, it is terrible here at this church, okay? I can now personally confirm it. I'm just kidding, right? One of the things that you should enjoy about the local church is the coffee, and we're going to continue to work on that here. So if any of you would like to make a hefty donation, right, you can go ahead and attach the check to one of those cards and just put the word coffee on it and drop it in one of the silver tins on the way out. We'll make sure to get a percolator in here and get everything all squared away, but no, I'm just kidding. You should enjoy the coffee at our church, at a local church. Here's the other thing that you should enjoy about church. You should enjoy the people. 
because the people really are the church, and we're going to talk about that in a second. And if you haven't taken the time yet to engage or get to know somebody around the local church, or maybe you haven't signed up to volunteer, which I think is something that is so key that people can do and engage with, it just helps you enjoy this experience when you get to see and know the people who are around this organization, this church, because they're such great people. They're so awesome. They're so cool. You should enjoy Sundays, right? You should enjoy this experience from start to finish. When you walk in here, if you dread this, that is not a good thing. We want you to enjoy this. We put a lot of effort into this so that you all enjoy and learn and grow through this experience, right? That's why we got these new lights on the stage. Like, I came in this morning, and I was like, these aren't the museum things, people. We put these things here. And then they asked if they could keep them for their week. And we said, well, how much money you got? I didn't say that, okay? <laughs> Right? But we should enjoy, right? We should enjoy this experience on Sunday. This should be something that you enjoy. And you should enjoy this. You should definitely engage with a practical message, right? And if you cannot get anything out of this message that we kind of bring forward, especially during this unique series where we talk about tension and we talk about things that maybe we're a little uncomfortable talking about and we unpack things that maybe we don't always unpack, right? If you don't get anything out of this, then something's wrong. The point is this, is that you should enjoy going to church. And if you don't enjoy going to church, you might need to evaluate where you're at. And you might need to take stock of where you're at and go, you know what, I really got to figure out how to get to a place where I can enjoy because this process should be an enjoyment, right? But I want to clarify something because so often we get confused. So often we get confused based on what the local church actually is. And I understand, right, in 2017, we have to file paperwork and become an organization and become this building where people come to. It's just what the local church has become. But I want to clarify about this and what the local church is. Because the local church, the church, is not a building or a place. The local church, especially as referred to in the ancient scripture, is not a building or a place. Well, if it's not a building or a place, and it's not an organization, then what in the world is it? Well, in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, it says this about all of us as it describes what the local church is. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, through many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Do you want to know what this is saying? This is not rocket science, but we've, as Christians do, muddied it up and transformed it into something that it shouldn't even have been. Here's what it's saying about the local church. The local church is not a building. The local church is not an institution. The local church is not a place, right? Here's what the local church is. The local church, the church is the people. The church is all of us doing this together. The church is the person to your right and to your left and in front of you and behind you. That's what the local church is. That's why it's so important for us to understand that we should enjoy some things about the local church, right? We should enjoy some things about the local church, specifically the people, because the church is the people. The church is the people who you build relationship with, who stand by you in times of sorrow, who celebrate with you in times of great joy. That's the local church at its core. Because here's what's true, we're all different. And I love what's so different about every single one of us is that we all bring something new and different to the table. 
My gifts are different than your gifts and your gifts and your gifts. And when we all work together collectively, we understand what the local church is. The local church is actually not a building, a place, or an institution that we should enjoy. But it's this idea of it's the people. Because let me tell you something. There are a lot of people that I've met, specifically Christians, who think that they can get more and more holy and more and more deep by only going here into a building where they go and sit through another service and take another class and go to another group. And I want to tell you something. There's nothing inherently wrong with any of those things that I've just said. But do you want to know where I've had my most deep and most intimate and most spiritual church experiences? Because so oftentimes you would think it's in a sanctuary or it's in a room much like this. And the answer is absolutely not. That's not where I've had my most spiritual or engaging church experiences. Where I've had mine is right here. Now, it wasn't a table out of the Restoration Hardware catalog like that one is. <laughs> but it's been around the table. Whether it's at a restaurant or in somebody's home where you just sit and engage and get to know somebody and ask some questions and go, I don't, I don't know um, a lot, but I might know just a few things and maybe we could share together. And, and, and to watch God move through those moments. It's not here, even though you should enjoy this. This is something, yes, you should enjoy this. But it's not here. It's about how we all do this together, right? So we've been saying yes a lot in this series. We've been saying yes over and over again, and I want to say it one more time. Yes, you should enjoy going to church. Yes, you should enjoy going to church. Enjoy it. Come. Engage. We're working on the coffee to make it even better, right? You should enjoy going to church. But what I'm about to put up, there's massive tension in this next statement. There is a massive tension in this next statement, so massive that I hesitate, I hesitate to put it up because, especially if you've been around the church for any length of time, you might take issue with this. But let me explain. And see, at the Downtown Harbor Church, I will tell you this, is there's a lot of things that we might not do right and a lot of things we may do wrong, even though I think we're starting to get a lot of things right. But this is the one thing that actually I think we do okay. I actually think some of us at Downtown Harbor Church do all right with this. In fact, I think some of us might even do more than all right with this right? Because this next one is so key because yes, you can enjoy going to church, right? And I want to talk about how key this is, but this next one is so key. Before I put this up, hold on, just let me say one more thing because I want to, I want to talk about the, the, just how controversial this is. So don't take a picture of this until I'm done. Don't put my name on this. Don't do this, but I want to go ahead and put this up because it's so key for us. Hold on. Let me, I want to say one more thing about this because we at downtown Harbor church, specifically in our city, have to start getting this right, right? We at Downtown Harbor Church have to specifically start getting this right so people can look at Christians who are normal and go, I don't know what those people have. I don't know what's going on in their life. I don't know why they're so happy, but I want it. Yes, you can enjoy going to church. And if anybody's ever told you this that is wrong, you need to correct it right now. And yes, you can enjoy living in the world. And I slammed that down because I've been working out, right? This is so key because we have to be very careful about this. We have to be very careful not to confuse this. Let's not confuse this because so oftentimes Christians will say to you, no, 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 you can't do this. Jesus talked about this, and I'm going to talk about what he said in a second, but they go, no, 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 you can't do this. The only thing that you can do if you engage with church is go to church, and those are the only people you should hang out with. Those are the only people you should be around. If they have a class, you show up, and if you don't, how dare you? 
and you should go to more, and you should do every single event that we put on, right? Let's not confuse this, because yes, you can enjoy going to church, but yes, you can also enjoy living in the world. You should enjoy living in the world. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about like the evil world system. There are things in this world that you should stay as far away from as you can. There are things that you should not engage with, and there are things that are evil out there that you should stay at an arm's length from. Yes, I believe that. I believe that sin exists. I believe evil exists. I believe that people are broken in this world, and you should stay away from all of that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the physical world around us. I'm talking about this massive, amazing planet that God created so that us human beings could enjoy. I'm talking about the world of culture. How many people do you know specifically in South Florida who are from different cultures? And how exciting has it been to see who they are and where they came from? How exciting has it been to see their history and where their family's from and how they engage with different people, right? The world of people, right? It's just the world. I, I got to tell you guys something. It's one of those things where one of my most recent friends that I've met um, is from Mexico. And I don't know if you know anything, that's been big in the past couple of years. And just to hear someone's perspective from what that looks like and feels like, and it's not all good or bad, or it's, it's just in the middle, it's just to hear someone's perspective. It was so interesting, right? The world of people, the world of nature. How often do you experience the world of nature that exists around there? We live in one of the most beautiful places in the world, and nobody goes to the beach, right? And you know that because you don't go to, how can we not go to the beach if we live here? Like, what is wrong with us? We should go and enjoy it, right? I hate the sand, though. Like, at every time that I'm done, I just got to get the car cleaned, and it drives me nuts. I got to walk. I literally have to walk to the beach if I want to go. ADD note, I apologize. But the world of nature, take a look. This picture. This was taken earlier this year in Hawaii. Caitlin and I, one of the things that we love to do is just travel. We're travelers. Um, we love to go places and see the beautiful things that God has created, right? And she snapped this picture of me as I was just sitting, and this picture does nothing, no justice to what I was looking at sitting on the side of a cliff, just staring out, right? Looking at the wonder of God. See, I believe that God created this world. I believe that God designed it so we could enjoy it within reason. I believe that God created this world so that we could all go out and engage with each other and enjoy this beautiful, massive creation. But so often, there's tension here between the local church where they go, you should enjoy going to church, but you can't enjoy living in the world, right? Here's what I want you to know and hear this from the bottom of my heart, right? You can believe this and take it and put a stamp on it. Here's what it is. You can enjoy other things than church, right? You can enjoy other things than church. And let me tell you this. When you enjoy other things than church, which is cool, you're going to meet different kinds of people, and that's okay too. Here's what I want you to know as well. This is, what I, this is so key. Don't get worried if you like people who aren't Christians. In fact, you might like the people who aren't Christians a lot more than the Christians. <laughs> and don't get worried, because that's okay. Because there's a lot of judgmental, bigot-filled people out there who tell you that this is it, and we're just passing through this life to get to the next one. So the only thing you better do is get more spiritual and get your carcass to church. Here's what I want you to know, that God created the world. I believe that God created the world. But I also believe, if we believe that is true, that over the course of time there's been a phrase related to the world that actually has been derived from Scripture that Christians specifically have misinterpreted. 
And I believe that Christians have misinterpreted this phrase, and this phrase I want to put on the screen in just a second, because I want to try to correct it for the first time. As we went through this series and this content and began to start to look at why someone would think, or why people would assume, or why these tensions actually exist, we started to look at this phrase, and we realized that it had been misinterpreted by Christians for, dare I say, a long, long time. And here's the phrase, in the world but not of the world. And people go, but this is in the Bible. This is in the scripture. So we're just in this world. We're not of this world. And while at its core, that might be true. I want to talk about it for a second because I want to put the scripture on the screen from where it comes from. It's from the book of John chapter 17, verses 14 through 16. And it says this, and Jesus is talking. He says, I have given them your word. And the world hates them, his followers, those of us in this room who would claim to be his followers. And the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you, he says, to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. In the world, but not of the world. But I also believe that what Christians have done over the course of time as they've read those verses and misinterpreted that phrase is basically what that has turned into is that because you're not of the world, the only thing that you can do is engage with Christians and hang out at church. And if you do anything else, you're violating that principle. But see, Christians, when they talk about that verse, they tend to stop there. They don't go on because why? They've made their point. And preachers and pastors and people who are leaders in local churches my entire life, I've heard them make that point. But it goes on. In John chapter 17, verses 18 and 19, it says this, Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. In the most famous message of all time, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus called his followers the light of the world. He said, you are the salt of the earth. Salt was an essential ingredient back then for preservation of meat and certain other things. And then he said, you are the light of the world. Why in the world would you light a lamp and then put a bowl on, over the top of it so that nobody could see it? You should enjoy going to church and you can enjoy living in the world. And one of the things that at Downtown Harbor Church we've tried to do is to figure this out. We have to figure out how to incorporate faith into daily life. It's figuring out how not to wall yourself off, but to figure out how to incorporate faith into daily life through our struggles, through our joys, through our trials, through our ups, through our downs. How then do we, if we are going into the world to represent Jesus, right? How dare we then wall ourselves off and only enjoy going to church? Doesn't make any sense. So every week at DHC, we put a word on the screen, and it's this. It's what's the practical. It's what's the practical. And I told first service this. We had an awesome first service today. Um, I said this. I said, if you're an, a Facebooker or an Instagrammer or a tweeter or whatever you are, now's the time. And you don't have to get your phone out at the end of the message if you don't want to because you won't listen to me. Oh, you might not. I mean, whatever, but... I just wanted to look at the practical because this next thing I want you just to post if you feel led to do it because I feel like people are going to learn from this and just go, I get it. Because if we're talking about the tension between the church and the world, here's just the first thing that's the practical. 
talking about this, we have to figure out how to love God. Got to figure out how with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength to love God. And they go, God, I'm committed to you. And I believe that in my life that has been by saying yes to Jesus and having faith in him. Then we are made right with God the Father by loving God and engaging in spiritual disciplines, being in the scriptures, engaging with people who claim to know him. Loving God is important. But see, Jesus said that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But he didn't stop there. He then said that we should do what? The second is equally important, he said. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God. Love others. And that's the church part, right? That's the church part about going, okay, what am I going to do when I'm in here? I'm going to get filled up, enjoy other people, right? Learn a little bit, and then I'm going to go out and love. Love God, love others. Can enjoy living in the world. So it doesn't stop there, even though we kind of think it does. And this is where the trifecta comes in. Love God, love others, love life. And when we realize and we stop that throughout the good times and the bad, the massive disappointments and the massive celebrations, that this is true, the tension goes away and we realize we can have it all. Loving God, loving others, and loving life. In the past... Um, about six weeks. And I know I'm a little long-winded today. Usually I'm well wrapped up by this point, so stay with me for about another 90 seconds. Last six weeks, Caitlin and I have had three weddings and a funeral. Dare I say, the most emotional, powerful funeral that I personally had ever been a part of, and the only reason it's that is because it was somebody who I was close to in my family. And there was massive joy and massive celebration at all three of those weddings and that one funeral. You want to know what they were celebrating? Life. And you want to know what I took away from that? You want to know what I took away from those moments is when I got on every plane that I got on and I started to come home, I started to think to myself, I was like, those people celebrated in a responsible, appropriate way like nobody I've ever seen, and a lot of them were not even Christians because they just understood what it was like to live in the world. And they understood what it was like to engage with other people. They understood this in a way that they didn't even maybe get or understand or comprehend by loving God and loving others and loving life. Gang, we only got one. Don't miss out on it. Don't let it go. No matter how low you get. And you know what? A lot of us this year have experienced some lows. I said to my wife about 10 days ago, I said, when 2017 goes bye-bye, I'm going to say sayonara, right? And I'm ready. This is the practical. Love God, love others, love life. You should, you should enjoy going to church. And my goodness, understand this. You can enjoy living in the world. And we do that. I believe that Jesus' name will be glorified and risen to the surface in ways that never, ever has been before. Let me pray. Father, thanks for who you are and what you do. Lord God, I love you. I love that you have given us your word and your truth so that we can understand at the core of our being who you are, and then you call us to take that into a broken world and to enjoy and to have fun and that that's okay. And God, I just pray that you'd go before us.
I pray that those of us who struggle with this, that you would bind our hearts and surround our hearts, that you would give us your ever-present grace of restoration and redemption as we figure this out. Lord, would you bless us? Jesus, we'd be so quick to give you all the glory. Because God, we believe that this tension is real, that we should enjoy coming here. We should enjoy engaging with other people around here. That's part of it. But yes, that's true. But yes, we should enjoy living in this amazing, miraculous, beautiful, stunning world that you created. And God, we just love you so much. We're so thankful for who you are. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would be just present in our hearts and our minds as we make decisions to do this to the best of our ability this week, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.